Welcome to the latest PinkCast in the Pink Elephant podcast series, dedicated to leading the way in IT management best practices. Hello, my name is Gary Case. Today I would like to talk with you about building a business case for IT service management. Whenever we enter into any discussions with organizations, one of the first things that always comes up is, how in the world do I build a business case? And that's a very reasonable question. Unfortunately, the answer is a little bit more difficult. When you have to take a look at building a business case, you have to look at what is the organization really asking for. In some cases, they want a true return on investment scenario, that if I invest $1 million in developing processes and implementing processes, that I will actually get back a return on those invested dollars. With IT service management, we have a couple challenges that we need to look at here in building that particular business case. First off, we have to ask ourselves, why do we need to justify spending money when we're in the business of delivering a service and the expectation is we should be delivering a service at justifiable costs? In order to do that, we need to have consistency and around our processes. We have to have a single tool that can help us from an integration perspective for better management reporting. We have to be able to meet the business requirements, understanding what our IT capabilities are so that we truly can negotiate a correct level of service, quality of service, as well as the cost of service. So when we look at building a business case, and if an organization is truly saying, I need to have hard savings numbers, then we have to take a look at how is the best way to do that. The challenge many organizations have in trying to get to a true return on investment is a lack of accurate data. They don't have any baseline data. They don't have accurate data because normally today they have multiple processes, oftentimes with multiple tools supporting those particular processes. And they have not created any baseline so that if they know that they improve the mean time to repair for incidents, they don't know what that really means. If they reduce the number of failed changes, they don't understand the man-hour savings that they will have, that they don't have to go in and do the rework. And on top of that, they don't have any understanding of what the true cost of downtime is within the organization. If they lose a service, an application, or a key component, that does not allow a customer to be able to do their work. So when you look at a true return on investment, there's some work you have to do first if they need hard numbers. In other words, you need to be creating your metrics, creating your baseline, or at least putting together what we would call a guesstimate, using your best effort to guess what you think is actually happening out there and also then to guess at what kind of savings that you can have by improving your processes. What I would like to talk about a little more is value on investment. And this is really something that we should look at as service management perspective because really it's a value on investment. We're there, as I said earlier, to deliver a service. There's an expectations we will deliver that service at justifiable costs. And oftentimes the value on investment are more your soft costs. And different organizations will put in what are the hard costs or hard savings and what are the soft savings that you have. But you really need to take a look at the soft savings. If we can improve customer satisfaction, if we can retain customers, if we could more quickly take care of customer requests that are out there, there is a value on all of that. It's not necessarily going to be a hard savings that you can point a finger at and say, see, look how we saved 10% this year. But it's a value, and it really is more in line with what service management's all about. 
We also have to take into considerations when we're looking at building a business case, we have many external drivers out there. External drivers can be regulatory requirements such as Sarbanes-Oxley or in candidates Bill C-198. If you're in the medical community, it's HIPAA. And you can go on and on down the list, whether it's regulatory requirements, privacy requirements, or whatever, you're going to find that there's many external drivers that's going to demand improved service management. Many organizations are using COBIT today to do audit. COBIT is very closely aligned with ITEL, so why would we not want to use ITEL as a best practice framework for service management in order to support the COBIT requirements that are out there? You also have external drivers from a business perspective that we have to be aware of. This could be anything from improving competitiveness, improving time to market, improving market share. It could be changing the way we actually deliver services to our customers. So we have to look at the external drivers, and then what we really want to do is take a look at the IT service management processes, and it doesn't matter if it's incident, change, service level management availability, or whatever, Actually do an alignment, create a matrix is a good way to do it, and list what are your business objectives, strategies on the left-hand side. Across the top, you can have your ITEL processes, and then just simply put a check mark where this process will help support the business goals and objectives and the strategies. And you can do that exact same thing from an IT perspective. IT has their own goals and objectives and their own strategies that they are working on. It could be anything from streamlining the type of architecture and infrastructure they have in place, trying to reduce the number of components and systems that they have. It could be that they have to increase the number of components and systems that they have to meet new business requirements. It could be they want to reduce the cost of IT because there's a lot of pressure put on them. It could be that they want to retain in-house versus being outsourced. So again, take a look at what you have from an IT perspective and do the exact same thing. Create a matrix, have the IT goals and objectives down the left side, ITIL processes across the top, and simply do a check mark and say this process will help support this goal and objective. And of course, you can't just do a check mark. You have to then be able to go on ahead and talk about and articulate how that process will actually help support that goal and objective. So going back to creating a business case, you have to understand what does a company truly want. Are they wanting hard numbers? And if they do, you have to find out what type of a structure do they want those hard numbers in. Will they accept the cost of downtime if you can articulate what the cost of downtime is? I worked in one organization where they tried to build in the cost of downtime in their business case. And we had someone from the financial department actually say that there was no cost to downtime. Now, I know you can drop your jaws on the floor on that one because I did too. But what happened is that we were unable to use that to justify any kind of savings, whether it was hard or soft savings. In reality, what the organization found out as they started doing some analysis into it, their cost of downtime was actually $9 million. So pretty soon that became a very hard savings. It was a hard number that people were focused on. So what are they looking for? And go back again, and can you actually use cost of downtime if you have that number? If you don't have it, can you find a way to try to at least get close to what that number is? Because that would help you uh, tremendously. If not, then you really have to look at how you're spending your IT money today. 
whether it's doing incident management activities, problem management activities, change management activities. How are you spending your money to deliver services? And if you improve your processes, then take a look at how can you reduce the mean time to repair? How can you reduce the number of failed changes? How can you increase your first contact resolution? How can you do better planning up front so you don't have panic buying, but you have planned buying around your infrastructure components? All of these things have to be considered. But I would really like to stress that we should be doing IT service management because it is truly the right thing to do. We're in the business of delivering a service, and there are expectations around that, and we need to always continuously improve the service that we are providing and make sure that we're doing it at a justifiable cost to the business. With that, I would like to thank you today, and please visit us, www.pinkelephant.com, for further information.